off the ball. It's actually quite an ugly game um, from spectator's point of view, but I think that the whole of Ireland doesn't really care. <laughs> Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Delighted to be joined, as always, for the news round by Monaghan's finest, Shane Hannan, and Offaly's finest, Will O'Callaghan. Gents, how are we getting on? Afternoon, John. Good, thanks. What is happening? There's golf, there's Formula One, there's tennis, there's Women's League of Ireland games. At least we have some bits. Some of the other sports now are going to get the, the focus that uh, they might otherwise not have had. Yes. Uh, given the weekend that's in it. But, um, yeah, no no Premier League games. You, you miss it, don't you, when it's when you've build, built up all week to your, uh, to your little Premier League uh, fixtures that you've been pinpointing all week, and then they're pulled away. It's, it leaves a gaping hole. But then we've got the we've got the golf, and we've got um, Leona Maguire doing well as well in the LPGA tour, and Monza as well. It, Monza brings back, um, as I was saying to the lads during the week, some some bad memories for me because last year I had the the choice of choosing the Spa Grand Prix or the Monza Grand Prix as my pick for my first ever Formula One. How often do you tell the story about Spa and the rain? I, I try not to tell it too often, but I've unfortunately had to bring it up uh, a couple of times. But I imagine uh, now in the smoking area of many a pub, this story yeah, has been worn off someone's it's ear. Come up, yeah, big time. But like I chose Spa because it rains, ironically enough, and I thought this is going to cause mayhem and it's going to be a great race. It usually is at the Belgian Grand Prix. But sadly, there was too much rain, and uh, lo and behold, the following week in Monza, the race I didn't go to, lovely sun, my favourite driver, Daniel Ricciardo, wins the race, uh, first win for McLaren in a decade, I think, so I, I had an absolute howler there, so yeah, but but l- I hope everyone enjoys the sun in Monza this afternoon and tomorrow, well, I'm, you, not, I'm not bitter at all. You've got the story out of the way anyway about Spa, so... Exactly, um, that's the last time I'm going to talk about that story. Ever. Today. Yeah, ever. <laughs> on air, anyway, on air. It's, it's we also have Longines Irish Champions Weekend, uh, eight races at Leopardstown today and the Curra tomorrow with the Champion Stakes today and the St. Ledger tomorrow, can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, there's also a bit of a worry, isn't there now, about football next weekend, because... Obviously, police with the, the funeral of Queen Elizabeth, whenever that does take place. Yeah, that seems to be the issue. So doubts over whether next weekend's games will be able to, to go ahead. Um, I'm, myself and Will were chatting about this earlier. It, the issue is the police officers from England likely to be redeployed to London ahead of Queen Elizabeth II's funeral, which would, of course, result in a shortage of officers to work at fixtures, games in the Premier League and English Football League, already postponed, of course, this weekend. And the cancellation of more matches would add to an already congested season due to the World Cup. So it's just a matter now of... Where do they put these games? I mean, do these games go to the end of the season? You mentioned well earlier that the Champions League finals in pretty quick succession. Yeah, there's no wiggle room really. I actually thought that next weekend's games were far likely to more likely to be postponed than this weekend. You've got the international break just after the fixtures which are due to be played next weekend. International call-ups are on Sunday. It seems that the royal funeral will take place on Monday. But as Shane has mentioned, because of the fact that police are likely to be redeployed, stadiums could be used potentially um, during the week as well as places where people can go to pay their respects and to sign books of condolences and so on as well, which adds to it a little bit more. And then you've got, in the mix of that, the games particularly that are in the Europa League and the Conference League on Thursday. So Manchester Arsenal, West Ham are all in action. So even if they decided to bring the games forward to Saturday, it makes it messy for those three, ga- three teams to have to play twice in 48 hours. Which means next weekend just looks logistically very, very difficult, which will perhaps call even more into question the decision to call off all games in the Premier League Championship and EFL for this weekend. So it's a complete and utter mess because there's only seven days from the end of the World Cup until the resumption of the Premier League. What about midweeks? Are there midweek windows? There's not many for the Champions League. There's not many League. because they're obviously fitting Maybe in there might be in February or March there could be midweek. And then you've cup competitions plus Europe mixed into that too. So look, potentially... 
they may have looked at it and said, hey, there are possibly some small windows that they can fit it in. Yeah. But as far as free weeks go, there are none left at this stage. And there's an international week that comes up just after the Champions League final too. So I think there is very much a hard date on when the season has to finish. So It's mad how, like, I guess before the season and even during the season, the talk was how congested the fixtures were. I guess nobody really saw something like this coming that they could that you know take away another couple of uh, fixture weekends out of the the schedule. Like the lad, the lads talked about it on, on the news round during the week and off the ball and, and like whatever your views are on the monarchy and 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 uh, colonialism and all of the rest, a lot of people's attitudes have changed in England and and Britain. Uh, you know, so whatever side of the aisle you fall down, would Queen Elizabeth herself have wanted? Such a disruption to, to society, I don't know. And, and and it's it's one of those things. If next weekend is the funeral, as Will said, or Monday week, then the games next weekend maybe should be the ones that are that are halted. And I get people over there want to have their period of mourning and whatever else it is. But yeah, it, it just, it, it's strange that it's not one rule for everyone. The FA have obviously made the decision to cancel the sport. But then, I mean, we're sitting watching sport in England live in front of us here at Wentworth after one of the most bizarre moments Shane on Thursday evening where the players at Wentworth had to pick up the ball where they were <laughs> on Thursday during the first round when play was halted and then there was real concern whether Wentworth would finish you know the jokes obviously went around maybe this becomes a 54 hole tournament yeah. which is what happened eventually it becomes golf. golf exactly the <laughs> yeah, golfers yeah. who were playing have been getting plenty of experience over the last couple of months of playing this uh, format so uh, that was slightly strange I mean it feels a little bit unprecedented because of the fact that you've had a monarch who ruled for 70 years and things were very different back in 1952 than they are compared to now but um, yeah I mean I, I, I don't really have an issue with the games being called off what I, I'm kind of surprised about was the lack of a plan uh, for yeah. any any eventuality what would you do regarding all events I was very surprised at the cabinet in the UK after the meetings that took place yesterday so we were waiting on tenderhooks all day initially for half past nine then for 11 o'clock when the Premier League were due to meet mm. that they effectively gave power back to each individual sporting organisation to make a call on it I wasn't one bit surprised because of just the nature of you know, unionism and loyalism that Ulster and Scotland were the first to call their fixtures. Yeah. But I thought the longer the morning went on, it was more likely the Premier League were going to play as opposed to calling it off. And I thought particularly when the clubs and the Premier League had their own agency over what was going to happen this weekend and that they weren't going to turn around and say, well, look, the UK government have advised that we're in a 10-day morning period, so therefore we're not going to play. I was quite surprised at the Premier League, just with the nature of the year that's in it with the World Cup, that they decided at that point that they were going to call off the games for this weekend. I hope it's not something that they regret further down the line if there's any other reason for games to fall, say if it's weather or whatever else in the new year. I mean, it's a totally different place, Britain, to what it was in 1952 or whatever when she, when she was crowned. Like I, I'd understand back then, everything being called to a halt, and, and but but society now in Britain is, is totally different. Some people don't agree with the royal family at all. Some people love the royal family. Do you know it, it's completely split. So the, the fact that society has as a whole has been been halted to me seems like a strange one. Like I know the the Europa League went ahead on Thursday night. They kind of said you know Old Trafford was hosting one of the matches as well on Thursday. They kind of said it was too late to call the games off. But I mean that that's fair enough. A lot of Real Sociedad fans have travelled over, but. Would it not have been nicer this weekend, maybe for you know black armbands, the minute silence, do the do the tributes to the Queen in, in whatever way? Oh, West Ham had a great tribute. Um, yeah, and they could have done it this weekend for Premier League matches that went ahead. Do you I know? think the people need bread and circus. Like if you're going to have a situation where people still have to go to work between now and next Monday, 
allow them to have some kind of relief away from this. It, like it even seemed, and I know we all saw the protocols that were in The Guardian, I think they were printed in 2017, and everyone got to see them again uh, during the week because they were reposted because the uh, Queen had just passed away. But this idea that you would kill comedy on TV for 10 days, that you would basically take away all the normalities in life and the distractions that are there uh, when you go and do your daily grind, it seems bizarre to me that things would stop for 10 days entirely. Mm. It's a strange one. Yeah, I, I yeah, I kind of see it a little bit differently. I just th- think this uh, seventy years is a long time. Yeah, look, and you know, the, this lady, what, whatever you think about monarchies and that, it was a world icon, and you can see that by the reaction of Joe Biden or or, or President Macron. Um, I think that I think it's a significant event in the UK. Hundred percent, and and it was one of those moments. And they played the football matches eventually. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, but I see, I see that point of view, and as someone who's into history as well, like, like I get it. Like when I was sitting watching the BBC. When when she died and when the God Save the Queen started playing, and I was thinking, this is this is one of those moments where, regardless of what you think of the monarchy, you'll, you'll remember where you were when you heard, um, because she was on the throne for so long. So from a historical perspective, I get the magnitude of it, but obviously, a lot of people in this country don't agree with the monarchy, don't agree with colonialism or any of those things. But but also, if everything had stopped, like everything yeah, didn't stop. Right now, England are playing South Africa in a cricket test match. That's the, the thing. It's Gallagher Premiership matches in the rugby have gone ahead this weekend. Some of them were shunted around on Thursday and Friday as a mark remembrance thing. That was just so close to the event itself. And right now, we've got the golf and the TV in front of us and we're watching Wentworth continue on, albeit in a slightly different format. But if all sports had stopped, you would understand it. If there had been advice to stop all sport, you could understand mm. I'm just really surprised that the Premier League made the decision. Now, maybe it'll be probed more into during the week when they provide what they call their next uh, update in due course. But I feel even for anyone who's got Premier League tickets bought for next week, there are plenty of people who messaged yeah. um, yesterday and even emailed us here to say what's going to happen next weekend. I've got tickets booked for next week or I've got my flights booked for next week. It seems insane that nine or possibly ten days after the Queen has passed away that all fixtures that's will be the, off. That's the thing as well. Like, I know you say you understand it, but what if, say for example, hypothetically, you had tickets and accommodation and flights to London booked to see Spurs this weekend or next, or I had tickets to see Manchester United and you'd, you'd pump you'd a lot of money. you have story, Shane. You'd be able to say, well, you won't believe it. I hadn't been to anything except for that Formula 1 Grand Prix. I booked tickets to go see my night at Old Trafford <laughs> and then unfortunately the Premier League was called what off because the monarch died luck. after 70 years. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I can sympathise with people who maybe have, and probably a lot of Irish people have for this weekend and next. No, I would understand it. If I booked the Spurs tickets, I would understand it and I'd be pretty relaxed about it, to be honest. Yeah. You'd be hoping you good insurance. For your travel, <laughs> yeah, well, travel, travel as well. It was cheap, not anymore. Look, thankfully, we've got domestic football that we can talk we about. We do at least we have football uh, in the, the Republic with Derry City just a point off SSER Tristy Premier Division leaders Shamrock Rovers this morning, albeit having played two games more. Michael Duffy's excellent first half strike saw them win 1 0 at home to Bohemians last night. However, the game was marred by a fall by Derry defender Kieran Culp, which rendered him unconscious for 10 minutes and saw him taken to hospital, so all the best to him in his recovery. Dundalk spurned the chance to pull level on points with the leaders, surprisingly going down 3-2 at UCD. St Pat's had Anto Breslin sent off and saw Owen Doyle miss a first-half penalty, but still won 2-0 at Drogheda, and Sligo Rovers were 2-0 winners away to Shelburne. Cork City can clinch the first division title with a win away to Galway United next week. An injury-time penalty from Rory Keating gave the Leasiders a 2-1 win away to 10-man Waterford last night. Galway dropped more points in their one-all draw at Cove. Treaty United are edging closer to sealing a playoff spot following their 2-1 win over Bray Wanderers, while Athlone all but ended Wexford's playoff ambition with a 2-0 win. Uh, While the meeting of last season's top two is the standout among today's women's National League fixtures, the current leaders Shelburne 
welcome P-Mount to Talca Park with that one kicking off at 7.35. Wexford Youths can go top for a couple of hours with a win at home to Cork City. Elsewhere, there's a Connacht Derby but, uh, with Sligo Rovers up against Galway. DLR Waves play Athlone Town and Bohemians go to Treaty United. Now, on this week's Coigig pod, Karen Duggan joined Kathleen McNamee to discuss Vera Powell's Republic of Ireland qualifying for the World Cup playoffs. The full video is on the OTB YouTube channel and podcast in the, all the usual places in this clip. They're full of praise for West Ham midfielder Jesu, who performed well in Slovakia during the week. Have a listen. It would be remiss of us not to mention Jesu and the shift she put in. We've talked a lot about her in the context of going over to the WSL and what to expect from her there. I suppose I'm much like a lot of the rest of the team. She struggled a little bit at times last week, but I thought like tonight we really saw what she was worth and what she can bring to this team. And I mean, listening to you guys talking about it on RT afterwards, there was some some big claims being thrown around about what her potential is. <laughs> I think she has huge potential because I know we spoke to her on this podcast. You're really struck by how much she wants to improve and how much she analyzes her own game and she she wants to improve. She doesn't think she's made it just because she's now starting with the senior team. And that's a really good feature in such a young player. And she wants to prove herself at West Ham. And it's brilliant to have that ambition. And I think, yeah, she struggled to get into the game against Finland, but I think it was a symptom of the shape we were playing. We were really under pressure down that left-hand side. They were the positioning was wrong and, and Jamie Finn was getting a tough time and in, that meant that Jess had to play deeper and the whole midfield was far too deep today when she was released a little bit and the ball was played to her feet. She she caused us to get excited, you know, on the ball and we want to see more of that and, and she plays with a freedom um, that is refreshing because we're not used to seeing it. We have these very disciplined performances from a lot of our team, but she just kind of brings that spark and that edge and I think we needed that because we're getting a lot from Katie on one side of the pitch but like teams are going to recognize Katie as our main player they're going to kick her there needs to be other outlets and she's a fantastic outlet and I think when her and Heather and Katie and Denise get more time together I think we'll see more interchange in their play Mm -hmm. and I think that that can be a really good combination for us praying Megan Campbell stays fit because it does allow Katie to play in that a more advanced position um Another mention to her, I thought she did really well considering how long she's been away to get two 90 minutes under her belt. More than anything, just confidence in her own fitness is probably going to be a huge thing. Um, and yeah, we still do depend on set pieces and she's a phenomenal weapon when it comes to that. Now, Karen Duggan and Cathy and McNamee were speaking on the Coil Gig pod on OTB Sports, which is in association with Cadbury FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Now, Larry Watch, McElroy Watch. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah, Larry and McElroy bo- uh, both back out for their second rounds at the BMW PGA Championship. Uh, McElroy, of course, teed off from four hundred pounds. I'm just going to check Shane Lowry first because uh, myself and Will were watching him. His tee shot went wayward on the first, but uh, somehow managed to, to rescue a birdie. He's one under through two holes for today, which leaves him on seven under par for the tournament. That's enough for five shots off the lead of Søren Kjeldsen, uh, the Danish player. He is one shot ahead, of course, of Victor Hovland, uh, who is on 11 under. Uh, so Larry, of course, shooting the 66 in his opening round. So hopefully he can keep those birdies coming and uh, kind of climb up the leaderboard this afternoon. Uh, McElroy then, just looking down to see where he is. So he is uh, level par through two holes for his round today. That leaves He's got him. a very tricky position on the third. So okay. McElroy took his tee shot just a couple of moments ago and he got a bad bounce. It seems to have plugged into the bunker so he's going to have a tricky recovery shot here we didn't get to see on the TV how Shane Larry actually rescued from the first because he went 
well to the right and into the crowd. Now, thankfully, the crowd were able to disperse as the ball was coming through, um, rescued uh, power on the first hole and then birdied the second. So very decent start from Shane Lowry, yeah. as, as already mentioned by Shane. It was the two Scandinavian players who ripped it up this morning. It's hard to chase now with 54 hole tournaments. Hard to chase this. Yeah. So um, Larry really needs to be probably about 10 under par, I'd say, to have a chance to win tomorrow. I'd say realistically. I mean, there's good scores to be had out there. You know, Soren Kjelsen, I think, picked up six shots across basically the yeah. middle section of his round today. So Eight of um, the round. I mean, a 64. It, might, like, it just doesn't seem there's any win there. It seems like pin hunting. Yeah, and look, there's been some players who've just been playing slightly frustratingly. I thought John Ram was about to uh, break his iron across his knee a moment ago. Yeah, he's not been the happiest camper. Oh, good news for John Ram is when he goes down to see where the ball has gone, it has stayed just inside the mark where it could have went out of bounds. So uh, thankfully for him, he should be able to rescue back. But um, again, uh, John Ram, if he plays to form, he's going to be able to challenge. But it's difficult to get up around double digits today on the second round. I, I don't think there's any reason given, but one of the live rebels, Sergio Garcia, withdrew after his first round so we might get the reason in a while um, we know it's, a, it's basically a live event in some ways reduced to 54 holes like live the live tournaments so. Yeah. so women's golf and OTB in association with KPMG proudly supporting women in sport what is happening on the LPGA Tour Shane? Yeah the Queen City Championship is the event on the LPGA Tour this weekend in Cincinnati John Leona Maguire is in a tie for 12th on 7 under par at the halfway point ahead of the third round later on today the Cavan woman shot an opening round of 70 before her 67 yesterday that leaves her 6 off the lead of South Korea's Jung Yoon Lee 6 while Stephanie Meadow tees off this afternoon from 2 under par So US Open tennis what's happening there? Yeah the Spanish teenager Carlos Alcaraz has become the youngest man to reach a Grand Slam tennis final since 2005 The 19 year old beat Francis Tiafoe in 5 sets to reach the men's decider of the US Open where he will face Kasper Ruud Norwegian also needed to go the distance to get past Russia's Karin Kachanov. The winner will also become the new world number one, a new era perhaps in men's tennis. While Ange Jaber hopes to land her first Grand Slam title at the second attempt tonight, the Tunisian plays top seed Iga Sviantec in the women's singles final at the US Open, play due to get underway on the Arthur Ashe court at around about 9pm. Wexford GA news. Yeah, some news that came out uh, this morning, this afternoon, perhaps not that surprising. Wexford GA have announced they are proposing John Hegarty as their new senior football manager for ratification at the county committee meeting on September 20th. Uh, his backroom team will be finalised in advance and announced at that meeting. Also, uh, John is a native of Killinaren, now living in Wexford. He played 105 times for Wexford during his intercounty career, spanning from 1995 to 2006, scoring 21 goals and 125 points in the process. He won one intermediate and six senior football championships with his club Killinaren, a Railway Cup with Leinster and a Sigerson Cup with UCD and as manager he has won senior football championships uh, as player manager with Killinaren and then as manager with Shelmaliers Rugby news Yep, Ireland's men's and women's sevens teams both have done have uh, quarterfinals at the World Cup in Cape Town this evening host South Africa stand in the way of the men's team and a place in the last four while the women's team have the tough task of facing New Zealand in their quarter final. So, the racing wise, we got a big one 345, Leopardstown, Longines, Irish Champions Weekend, the Royal Bahrain, Irish Champion Stakes, Videni, Luxembourg, Mishrif, the top three in the market. This is going to be a really good day's racing, eight races, Shane. Yeah, Irish Champion Stakes, that one you mentioned, John, the feature that is off, as you said, at a quarter to four, while the first of an eight race card is underway in just under 10 minutes' time at half past one. Who do you have in the. The big one, the Irish Champion Stakes? Um, I would like the favourite for Denny. Won the Eclipse at Sandown, won the French Derby. Um, Christophe Soumillon rides. Um, I'd like Videni in this one, uh, over one mile and two. But Luxembourg was, will be a lot better than he showed the last time. I think it's going to be Videni's race, though. But it's it's interesting to see how the Irish trained horses will get on today and at the Curra tomorrow. 
Has it had much of an impact in terms of English horses coming over here, or has that any any effect? I wonder. Well, I mean, the the big one was Bayid, and he's not coming. Uh, so that was the, I suppose, the a little bit of a disappointment. But it's so competitive in terms of of other races happening this time, like the Arc is on about less than a month's time. Um, yeah, like uh, William Haggis is sending over Hamish for the Irish St. Ledger tomorrow at the Curris. So. I think we have a lot of good horses here. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about it at the moment. Like Kiprios' favour for the Ledger. And, like he was the king of the middle distance races in the UK this year. Should be a decent day's racing for sure. Leopardstown, just some news that's come in here. Uh, Derry City, as I mentioned, the game marred last night um, with uh, their win at home to Bowes. Their Derry defender, Kieran Call, read it unconscious for 10 minutes. He was taken to hospital. The good news, uh, Derry City confirming today he, he is uh, discharged from hospital following last night's injury concerns. That's just come in. So that's a positive news on the injury Absolutely. front from, uh, from Kieran Call. Uh, some Formula One as well, lads, today. The uh, defending Formula One world champion, Max Verstappen, has been given a five-place grid penalty for this weekend's Italian Grand Prix at Monza that I mentioned the Red Bull driver finished second in practice yesterday in between the uh, two Ferraris there was practice ongoing uh, the third practice Carlos Sainz who's also received a penalty set the pace with teammate Charlotte Clare in third ahead of the qualifying later today which gets underway at 3 o'clock Irish time uh, he was ahead of McLaren's Lando Norris Mercedes George Russell was fifth split from teammate Lewis Hamilton by the second Red Bull of Sergio Perez but we'll keep an eye on the qualifying across the show today the, the driver, the uh, news in today of Williams driver Alex Albon will miss the Italian Grand Prix as a result of contracting appendicitis the British tie will be replaced by Mercedes reserve driver Nick De Vries a Williams statement said Albon was feeling unwell this morning and sought treatment from doctors glad that they caught it in its early stages he is fine but uh, he will miss the racing at uh, Monza this weekend and uh, finally for me some mixed martial arts UFC 279 has had some late shake-ups to the card out of the action tonight in Las Vegas yesterday morning Kamzat Kimaev missed weight by 7.5 pounds for his highly anticipated bout against Nate Diaz in the main of the card and that forced the UFC and Dana White to change things around uh, the fight's now headlining Nate Diaz will take on Tony Ferguson Kimaev will take on Kevin Holland he wasn't able to lose the weight in order to uh, face Nate Diaz and Li Jingliang will fight Daniel Rodriguez So what's the biggest thing ticking in your minds lads sporting wise is it all the talking points at the start of the football season or the biggest thing in my mind, John, is the fact that it's September 10th and Monaghan don't have a manager. Still. Despite, despite your attempts not to be him on Tuesday. Well, it's yeah, not going to be Jar Brennan was going to get it, I thought. Jar Brennan was going to get it. Jason Sherlock was going to get it. Um, we've had a lot of names mooted. Uh, Dinky McBride, Kieran McBride was even... Who would you like to see get it? Do you know what? Um, anyway. I think you should say it to him on air. <laughs> I hope, hope John, John O'Mahony's probably listening in, but uh, if you want to say it to John O'Mahony on air, make a call out. He's Salt and Loch Nakara manager at the minute, mm. uh, doing good things with them. Uh, he's two All Ireland's with Galway. He won that Connacht title with Leitrim in '94. He's still in management. You know they'll probably pay the diesel expenses, as I've said, <laughs> up to Monaghan. So if he wants, if he wants a job, I know the rest common and Donegal. You don't jobs. even use the word petrol up there, do you? Of course, no, 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 diesel. Uh, but. I know Donegal and Roscommon are in a similar situation to Monaghan but maybe not in as embarrassing a situation in Monaghan in that people were essentially looked like they were in the job and then pulled out late, late on so uh, yeah they need they need someone quick so John it's a weird one though Shane because like, I would thought Monaghan would have been a particularly attractive job given their consistency in recent seasons given yeah. like how close they were to Toronto a couple of years ago went on to win the All-Ireland title and it seems every year they're in contention for well, playing in Division 1 and to get into Ulster Finals so yeah. it should be one of the most attractive well, jobs that's, around that's three Division 1 jobs that, that haven't been snapped up which which is surprising and like Monaghan job is a good like, a Division 1 team next year it's high profile even a competitive Ulster Championship I is there a lack of internal candidates there when you're look, casting your net here? Well, the problem was one of the candidates that went forward with Jason Sherlock and Brendan Fanning uh, or Brendan Hackett was um, 
uh, Mark Cunahan, the Monaghan minor manager, the outgoing Monaghan minor manager, and uh, they they opted against Mark uh, for whatever reason. They'd probably take his hand off now to put him in, in charge, given what's what's materialised and people turning the, the job down. Jer Brennan was one of them who's turned it down since. Uh, and at the minute in Monaghan, the pub talk is zilch. It was for a while there was names being mooted. Right now, I'm not hearing of any names. I know that the county board usually meets on a Monday evening, so maybe we'll hear something next Monday evening. But uh, I'm not even hearing any rumours. Did you minute. feel snubbed that Pat's plan didn't name check you when he said there were jobs he'd be interested in? Yeah, 100%. But that always means the best job in the country. Right? Yeah, yeah, Monaghan's yeah. right there. Yeah, and Donny Buckley, a carry man, came up, came up the road from uh, from the kingdom or from Clare where he's living uh, last year as well. So, look, I hope I hope it's... Uh, because the Monaghan Senior Championship is ongoing. Mm. And you'd like to think that the Monaghan yeah. incoming manager will be watching some of these matches. So it's worrying. And Monaghan have a good, some good young players in that panel too. They've won minors and under 21s okay. in Ulster. So please, if anyone's listening and available, John O'Mahony's probably on the line. You can say it to him later, John, if he, if he wants a job. Will, what's going on in your mind, uh, sports wise? NFL's back this weekend. Wow. I've okay. said many times. Uh, the Super Bowl. I, I actually kind of fancy the Buffalo Bills after watching right, the like game. The, the um, biggest yeah, heartbreakers in history. That, that's the problem, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but they put. They put the Rams, the defending champions, to the swords the other night. Josh Allen uh, threw for three touchdowns, ran for one himself. And like very impressive to go to so- SoFi Stadium, which was where the Super Bowl was played last year, and to hammer the reigning champions. Like A lot falls on Josh Allen if they're going to win the Super Bowl. Um, but I think they've got a good balance about them. And every- what's worrying me slightly is I kind of fancy the Bills after watching them tail end of last year and watching the way they traded. And now loads of experts are going, yeah, I think the Bills might win. So then you start to get worried that everyone is possibly piling in them early in the season. But I love the Super Bowl. I love... Uh, you getting home from work on a Sunday around about half past six particularly this time of year put red zone on and like it's just such an enjoyable way to probably while away the first three or four hours of your evening I don't know if um, our listeners are probably as dedicated to stay up for the late games uh, but definitely it's a really really good Sunday night viewing the season is short you can just get invested for a short time and then move on with your life again that's why I love the NFL and a 45 year old Tom Brady will keep an eye on him across the air now Sam Monson was on with Jair last night talking NFL I think he picked the Bills and maybe Philadelphia Eagles as a kind of mm. underdog for the year interestingly uh, enough as well, so dark horse, so to the speak. dark horse, so to speak. So uh, yeah, forty-five-year-old Tom Brady, still keeping her. I, I still can't believe you see he's playing there after we did our big retirement special on OTB and the night he was meant to retire, and with all the speculation he was going to come out of retirement for one day, sign for the Patriots and retire. Sorry, as did Patriot. I say the Patriots there? I used the Patriots. Uh, Tampa yeah. Bay, of back to Tampa yeah, Bay. But yeah, then, yeah. of course, the story was he was trying to force through a move to go to Miami from Tampa Bay. Yeah, that yeah. then didn't transpire. Then he retired, came out of retirement. So there's so much drama about Tom before he even gets on the <laughs> field this year. So interesting to see if he can still do his thing though because he finished out last season pretty strong mm. Monaghan and the Buffalo Bills were not the answers I expected the very original <laughs> answers lads uh, Shane Hanna Willa Callahan thanks as always for joining me on the news round Victor Hovland has gone to 12 under par 68 on day 2 as it is now of the BMW PGA Championship tied for the lead on 12 under with uh, Saren Kjeldsen Shane Larry trying to make up the ground